Ciao ragazzi and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast for your Calcio to go. I'm Frank Crivello. He's Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How are we doing? We're doing good. We're doing good. You know, we're, we're, we're Serie A fans. We're sitting with three teams in the Champions League, taking advantages to the second leg. We're not Premier League fanboys uh, sitting without a win. Uh, <laughs> And uh, it's thank it's, you for Thierry Henry for bringing that fact out. Yeah, I love that guy. Absolutely, yeah, Thierry Henry. I'll tell you this, and and I think you you hit it on Twitter. So that that studio team yeah. for football, I, it's 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 the best we have. I think I, I'm yep. with you. Um, yep. You know, they talk too uh, much Premier League, yes, but they're fantastic. Sure. The chemistry is unbelievable. Sure, and. Um, it was also, uh, I, I would say after that, I, I think, I, you know, I, I kind of like the, the NBC crew for Premier League. I, I like the Robbies um, and, and Rebecca Lowe. I think that they're, I think they're fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, the, the Champions League uh, studio team's as good as it gets right now. It's top notch yeah. and, and, and lapping the field in terms of analysis, in terms of how they talk. Yeah, a little bit of a Premier League lean because that's where they all came from. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, what a what a uh, couple of weeks here in Champions League for Serie A, um, <laughs> you know, which is where, which is how we will kick things off. We'll talk about that. We'll talk. We'll, we'll we'll get in depth about sizing up these three teams and their chances yeah. to qualify for the last eight because it's not a done deal for all three to get through, even though they do carry advantages uh, to the return leg. We'll talk about um, the Thursday. Uh, Europa and Conference League fixtures. We'll talk about uh, Juve traveling to Nantes. We'll talk about Roma now getting uh, Salzburg at home. Uh, Lazio now making the trip to Cluj. And then finally, uh, Fiorentina with just a formality against Braga. And we had no idea that we were going to be saying that at this time last week, but here we are. Uh, We will also uh, do a quick rundown of match week 23 in Serie A. Uh, and then top it off with the world's most popular hashtag game, Who Won Calcio Twitter. Uh, Richard, let's just rewind to Tuesday. Is that coming from you? Yes. Oh, you want me to do the you want me to do the Tuesday matchup? I had I had no idea that you were gonna do music here. Oh, you're fine. You're good. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> well. I guess we're, you know, I don't know how loud I should talk here, but here we go. Uh, Napoli uh, made the trip to Frankfurt, won two goals to nil. Uh, Very convincing in doing so. Uh, It was a missed penalty by Kvitsa Kvaratskhelia in the 36th minute, but have no fear, about four minutes later. Uh, Victor Osimhen scoring, uh, played in by Herving Lozano in the 40th minute. Uh, that duo hooked up again for another goal just before halftime, but was ruled offside by a foot, literally. <laughs> uh, and then the second half, Randall Colomwani, uh, violent conduct there in the 58th minute, uh, and, uh, sent off immediately. Uh, and that, uh, 
made the game pretty much a formality, but Napoli would add a second goal. Uh, Giovanni Di Lorenzo, after a nice little backheel from Kvanitz Kelia to uh, seal the deal for Napoli, win the game uh, by two goals to nil. Um, Richard, let's start with the beginning of the game because I think that you know some of the things we talked about as it pertained to Frankfurt, um, uh, you know, in sizing this up, turned up early in the game. I think they threw some pretty good punches. You know, Kolomani put one wide. I think that Goetze was getting dangerous. Lindstrom was getting dangerous. And, and the warning signs were there. Uh, so just that first yeah, 20 minutes or so where Frankfurt looked like they were getting after it and trying to get a foothold on the game early. Yeah, and it's um, fully expected, I think. Uh, at least I did. I, I We kind of gave the warning shots last week, right, that we said mm. Frankfurt are good. They're the Europa League, reigning Europa League champions. They're very good at home. The home crowd turns out, and the team plays well in front of their crowd. And we saw that, and, and Frankfurt came out to an early start, and it's what was expected. Napoli would have to weather the storm, which they did. Uh, but, yeah, the warning shots were there, and it's, uh, Frankfurt is not a team to be taken lightly by any stretch. Even at this, you know, as where we stand now, it's you still have to take them seriously. They won the Europa League, obviously. They have to be taken considerably, consider um, uh, serious. But I think uh, the way they started the game, it showed that they were intending on getting a result at home. Yeah. Um, some chances there. Comet in the fifth minute, Colomani in the fifth minute, Goods in the tenth minute, having some. You know, nothing that got on target, nothing that threatened merit. In fact, Eintracht Frankfurt was just one shot on target the whole game. It was from Kamada in the 82nd minute. Um, and that is really all that gave Napoli any trouble in this game. And I think that um, uh, in immense credit. Uh, and Kyle, Kyle, you're beating me to it. Kyle, I'm the host. Let me bring up these takes. <laughs> Kyle's stealing my shit. <laughs> He knows the shit, too. Yeah, he does. He does. He's a knowledgeable guy. But, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to read exactly what he's saying. Labotka was sensational. Yep. Um, once Napoli got comfortable with the game, any time Eintracht Frankfurt had to uh, try to generate something, they were stopped. Uh, it was Labotka, okay? Um, he, he, he was, uh, you know... Tommy Smith said something about Didier Deschamps in the about with the '90s Juventus teams that the position that he plays, the roles that he plays, is that okay? He's the bouncer. He's checking your ID to see if he's going to let you in or not. And uh, most more often than not, he's not going to let you in. Lobotka was the bouncer in this game. So no, no one was getting into the club on <laughs> Eintracht Frankfurt, no, no. Uh, so to speak. Yesterday, uh, let's talk about Lobotka because you could make a very strong argument that he might have been man of the match. Yeah, I mean, Lobotka is so underrated, even amongst Syria fans. Um, what he's been doing for Napoli is what he showed against Frankfurt. He cleans up, you know, messes when when things get leaked through Napoli somehow because it, it will happen occasionally. He's there to clean it up. He's done it all season long. He's just in the right place at the right time. He's even he has offensive upside, but his main thing is to shut down the the midfield. And you got you know you got a hammer in there like Angisa who can do defense work and offensive work. Uh, but Laboka's main guy, main focus is to stop the leaks from happening, and then get the get the ball from the midfield to the other midfielders in the attack. Uh, and he just reads the game so well. Uh, he's diminutive, sure, but that doesn't mean anything. He's strong for his for his stature, and he just reads the game so well. He's got the vision, even defensively, where he can see the runs coming from the sides. Um, 
he's just uh, such an intelligent player. And, you know, between him and, and Anguisa, they're a force in that midfield for anybody in the world, uh, let alone for Serie A. And so Frankfurt got firsthand witness of uh, what this almighty uh, Labotka. Absolutely. Um, Anthony brings up a point about the link-up play between Alcimen and Herving Lozano. I don't want to, I'm going to talk about Lozano in detail here. Um, because we, 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 we've talked about this a lot with Napoli. If there is one flaw to their team, it's that right-hand side. Um, but if they can get consistent performances like this from a Lozano, uh, th- there's a whole new level of dangerous now to this Napoli team that was already dangerous. Yeah, 100%. And uh, shout out to Anthony there for uh, for the comment there. I agree 100% with that. But yeah, the right right side has always been the the weakness for, for at least the attack, I should say, for the Napoli. And, you know, the link of play between Osimhen and Lozano. Uh, Lozano was crucial in this game for um, creating some uh, activity there. We know Cavar is going to have his field day, right? But Lozano, for Napoli to be super, super successful in, in, in the league or in the Champions League, you need play from left and right because eventually the, the bigger teams will snuff out your, your strengths and you have to be a well-rounded team. And what we saw from Lozano is, hey, I can play too. Don't forget about me. I can do my job too. And you know him with him and uh, Di Lorenzo uh, linking up with, with uh, Osimhen I think was fantastic. Obviously, Ingisa and Lobotka involved in that as well. But uh, shout out for the, the right winger to uh, stepping up his game. Yep, absolutely. So, And both goals coming from the right-hand side too. Um, which was critical, um, you know, and that, uh, you know, that meant, uh, you know, Lozano, uh, LK, LDL 707, while Cavada and Alcimen kept most of the defense on them. Cavada was guarded by three most of the time. Opened up spaces for Lozano and he did great. Yes, absolutely. Um, I would also mention, uh, even though there wasn't an insane amount of productivity from him in this game, when you look at it on the whole, uh, we thought that this, the way Eintracht Frankfurt's play and Frankfurt plays and the way they set up sets up really well for Piotr Zielinski to do some damage. And I thought that he had some influence on this game as well. Yeah. And we kind of, we talked about that in the last game that he really would have to be, uh, the playmaker of the team. And yeah, while the stats didn't really show that he, what he did, uh, yeah. he's certainly, he's certainly an impact in, in the game. And, uh, Cavada. Did his job of you know bulking up, blocking most of the the, the bodies and the eyes on him, but Zelensky, you know the little things by him it frees up the rest of his team. It's very underrated his game. When it, there's times where he takes over games, and there's times mm-hmm. where he's very subtle, and those subtle things are such a big impact on the team as a whole. And we'll, that's kind of what we saw against uh, Frankfurt. Yep. What? Um, so the second leg, the the, the way I see this. Um, you know, when we when we turn this around, um, I think we see Inopoli that puts this away early in the match, gets a quick one, gets another quick one, 2-0 in about the first 20 to 25 minutes, and then can cruise. Um, I think that Frankfurt will take their shots. It's going to be far more difficult without um, uh, Colomwani now, who will be suspended. Uh, he's been their goal scorer. Uh, they're going to have to create some other sources. I don't think Bore scares you as much as Kolomwani does. I think that Kolomwani has a physicality and a dynamism that if played in properly and if they, they were able to play him in, which they couldn't because of the vodka, um, I think he's a bigger challenge to someone like Min Jai Kim and Amir Rahmani uh, than than Santos Bore is, uh, who, who appears to be the, the striker that will uh, that will take the reins in the second leg. 
And I think that a lot of Frankfurt attacks will get diffused if they rely on that striker position to to carry some of the load and carry some of the chances. I see I see them throwing a couple of punches, but ultimately I see Napoli getting a couple quick goals in about the first 20 to 25 minutes of this game in the second leg. And then I just see them cruising, uh, you know, and seeing it out and, and winning 4-0 on aggregate, 5, maybe 5-1 on aggregate too. They get a late goal. Frankfurt gets a late goal just kind of out of out of casualness. But that's just initial thought here just a couple weeks away from the second leg. That's what I see. And Napoli go through comfortably. Yeah, I mean, I think Kevin Trapp really kept this game from being an emphatic uh, shut the door for the for for Frankfurt this one because it could have been a four or five nothing game. He made some big saves in this, and had they had a, a bigger lead, they could have been rotating heavily in the second leg and worry about Serie A. But now they kind of got still got to focus in a little bit, right? You as you know, Courtois even said in his game against Liverpool, is like we still got to take them seriously. They're 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 here for a reason. Um, he was talking about obviously Liverpool. I'm talking about Frankfurt and Frankfurt. They have to be you know. You have to pay attention. They're Europa League winners again. I'm going to keep saying that. Um, but for all intents and purposes, in my in my opinion, we talked about this last week. It was like if Napoli walk out of the win, we know they're going to do they're going to do the thing in Napoli. They are. They it's, mm-hmm. it, it's their their DNA, right? Um, and if they in and if Frankfurt has any chance in this, they have to win at home, and they did not. Um, and as soon as Colomani went out with a red, I said this 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 leg is the two legs are over. No, yeah. that that's just me talking. It's not in theory. There's, they're very much in it. They get a goal early, and it's it's bedlam, you know, for for Napoli. And they're I still think they'll win. I agree with your constant comment that you know, two an early goal or two early goals, and it's it's effectively over for Frankfurt. They're just gonna maybe try to get a consolation goal here, but that's it. Uh, I see Napoli winning comfortably this one. I think yeah. what we saw from Napoli in the first leg is that they were dominating against yeah. a very good team at home, and they were dominant. Uh, yeah. And now they're gonna go home where they're even more dominant. This is. Uh, you know, Frankfurt, what they're going to hope for, I think, and I no disrespect to them because I know I have a lot of friends who support them. It, it, their goal should be to keep it close. Yeah. That's it. Let's let's talk about um, Luciano Spalletti here, and we'll get on we'll get on with the Inter Porto game from today. Um, I think we've dogged him a lot, I, I, and at least I have, even before mm-hmm. I jumped on and did this pod started started doing this podcast as. You know, he gets his teams to play very attractive football. He gets his strikers to score a lot of goals um, as a result because everything, you know, you know, look at what he's look at who he's turned into Capocan and Yeti through the years. I mean, Mauro Icardi, uh, Aiden Jekyll, um, you know, uh, there's got to be guys before that from his first stint at Roma. I think somebody, I, you know, the name escapes me, um, but. <clears throat> And maybe the chat will help out with this. I I I, I, I know Vucinich a lot. Was, was Vucinic up there one year? V- Vucinic? Yeah, Vucinic. Anyway. He was up there, but I don't know if he ever got it. All right. Uh, I don't know if Toti was a continuity under him or not. Um, but that would be interesting to look up. Yeah. Um, but if they hadn't, they were at least contending. So, but, you know, you always had the failure to get it over the line. You know, I remember the first stint at Roma – um, 2007 going out to Man United 7-1 at Old Trafford. Um, you know, just heavy defeats. And it took one to Barcelona. I can't remember if that was his second stint or, or, or when that was. Um, you know, where it just, it just collapses. You know, 
do you think that let's ask a serious question about Luciano Sabaletti. Okay. Do you think he's demonstrated his ability to overcome it? Have you seen enough sample this year that you think, okay, that kind of catastrophe is not going to happen this year at least, or are you still skeptical that, you know, we, you know, Napoli go and draw a Man City or they draw Well, Man City's got to win first, but or they draw Real Madrid in the next round. Um, and they, you know, and they get pantsed and at the Bernabeu, for example, do you still see that as a, as a possibility in terms of the range of outcomes for Napoli here in the Champions League, just because it's Luciano Spalletti, or are you saying, hey, maybe he's got this figured out? I mean, you and I are both realists. So we even, even with Pioli last year and, and managers before, when they, they go on these runs that are very un, unlike them, meaning they're out of their element in the sense that they're overachieving more than, we, than they normally do. Uh, mm-hmm. And even then, we're like, look, I, I'm taking this. I like what I'm seeing. This is it looks very improved, but there's still that little what if, what if. Let's see what happens. And we have to do that with Spalletti. I think what we see so far, I think, is that he's overcome this. Uh, he's yeah. figured it out. It helps having superstars like Osimhen and Cavada on the team. But I think this is the best. Uh, I don't remember who said I maybe about Nima uh, on the Italian football show. Is that this is the most complete, not a complete team he's had around him from front yeah. to back, uh, and that goes a long way to. This is how I want to play, and he has guys who are so intelligent all over the pitch that understand that and can dictate that onto the pitch and into the play. And so, this is the best. I I, I don't think they're going to collapse. I don't. I think when they face adversity, and they face some adversity here and there, mostly in the league. Uh, but you know they had to go play to Anfield, you know, and Champions League and some other games. They went to Frankfurt, obviously, and they did well. What mm-hmm. we've seen is that in the past, though he plays beautifully, especially in the league, when it's crunch time against these bigger, bigger games, his tactics change. He goes yep. very more, more conservative, and we haven't seen that yet. <clears throat> He's been very aggressive from the beginning in the group yep. stages at Frankfurt. He's not changing, and that's what you have to do. These managers drive me crazy in every sport where you play a certain way and it works for you. And then when the, when the big game comes, I love Bob Stoops, and he always changes for the big game, plays all of a sudden a, a different way, and you overthink it and you screw yourself and your team. He hasn't yeah. done that yet, and I, I'm going to ride it right now, but always in the back of my head, and I know the same thing with you, is that let's see. Let's wait for other shoe to fall, but I hope it doesn't. Uh, you know, I love to see you know Napoli raise the title in maybe both leagues, right? But uh, yeah. so far, I think he is going to be uh, a new Spalletti as we're seeing a new Pioli from last year. Yeah. I need to see one more team of pedigree in Europe for them. Hopefully, to play it's not Real Madrid last year. Next week, right? Next, next leg. Yeah, I, you know whether it's a, you know, I mean, if it's even if it is a Real Madrid or a Bayern or or somebody like that that you know convinces me that he has changed. Um, and I say this because I'm not so certain that. You can point at Liverpool and say, "Yeah, he's he has changed." Look at him because you know you're wondering suddenly after what Real Madrid did at Anfield yesterday, how how great were you know how great were those you know how great those are those wins? How great is winning that group? I mean, by Napoli standards and where they come from in the European landscape, it's damn impressive. But when you're talking about you know Real Madrid was just able to come in and put five past him at Anfield and you're just, you know, now you're, now you're kind of looking at side by side comparisons here and, you know, doing that sort of thing. So I, I, 
I'll say this. If I'm a Napoli supporter and that draw comes out in the last eight and you get Real Madrid or you get Bayern Munich, I wouldn't be scared at all. And they you shouldn't. Know? They shouldn't. I wouldn't be scared of them at all. I think I think you don't have to beat – all you have to do, and somebody said this a long time ago, you don't have to beat the badge on the shirt. You don't have to beat the mystique of the, uh, of the club. Yeah. You have to beat the 11 men that are in that shirt. That's yeah. what you have to do. So, um, I think what LK LDL is saying, uh, I'm glad he brought it up because I was gonna bring it up later. But, uh, th- this is this is true. Spalletti talked about the lack of experience in his young players, and, it, and to an extent, the naive naivety works for them. Yeah, but when you do play those teams with the, with the crest, the badge, the one with the aura, you know, that maybe will affect the youngsters, and it's up to Spalletti to keep their heads in the game. Uh, when yeah. they're in situations that they haven't faced, and he'll, and same thing will happen at the end of the season when they're getting closer to that scudetto. Pioli had to face this last year, and then Conte the year before that, and and every manager has when they're going for the first in a long time, um, or first ever. You have to keep them grounded, and that's going to be the hard job for the manager because, yeah, if you have a team full of guys who've been there before and done it, and played all these big teams, it's not going to be so bad. But when you got all these guys who've really not done it before. None. I mean, I can't think of any guy on this team on the starting at least in the starting eleven. Uh, the the regulars that have been there and done that before, none of them. I mean, Irving Lozano maybe for maybe something with our national team, but that's about it in terms of club teams. They haven't, especially not in Champions League. And so, it's that's going to be the interesting part. How if Spalletti can conquer that, then we know he's really come full circle. Sure, absolutely. Oh, moving on. I guess Inter played too. We should talk about them, huh? Yeah, I guess so. We got some inter in the, in the chat, right? Why not? I mean, yeah, no, no. For real though, I, I we talked about how this game was going to be the real chess match of the two that, that played this uh, this week, and um, it sure was, right? You Inter mm. are a, a team with talent, obviously, and now they have a a, a quality goal te- goalkeeper, right? I think yeah. had I think had Donovich had been in this game, different scoreline, different result. Uh, Onana is oh, he doesn't have the he he doesn't have the reflexes of Onana. No, Port no. on that double save, Porto score on the rebound. Yeah, no, yeah. no doubt about it. Yeah, exactly. And so this is always gonna be a chess match. This is two managers who stack up, you know, head to head. Costa Sal is probably a little bit better, I would argue. Uh, Porto is a very good team, uh, and we talked about how it the 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 little things matter. And Inter had to win this game at home to have any chance of, of you know getting out of this group. And what we saw in, the, in this game was that um, it was a feisty encounter. Uh, both teams had their opportunities. Inter looked dangerous at times, as did Porto. In particular, in the counter, what kind of worried me about Inter is that they were susceptible to uh, good attacks. Um, but, you know, the game goes back and forth, back and forth. And finally, Big Rom comes in late in the game, 86th minute, gets the game winner. Um, we did we did see a red in this game, but uh, one nothing. They got the goal they needed. I, I thought they were going to piss this match away because – Inter, for me, were the better team in this game. They deserved the win, but they couldn't get that goal, right? They couldn't get the goal. They had all these opportunities, um, but finally Lukaku did break the duck, and they went, They win the game one nothing. I mean, where do you want to start with this game? Because this is a, a chess match. Um, so Porto sets up with Grijic and Uribe, which the, the purpose of that is deny any kind of supply into the forwards uh, from the midfield. Um, and then spring the break. When I saw how Porto came out, I, I came into this game wondering who's going to have the ball more. Cause both of these teams like to counter. Yeah. Um, and then I saw how Inter set up and I saw how Porto set up and right away I said, okay, Inter's Inter's going to have more possession. Um, because I think that Porto are definitely going to want to sit. They're going to want to hit on the break. 
you know, to go from there. And they, and I, and they were dangerous. Um, you know, Inter relied on the, the long diagonal ball, um, switching the point of attack, whether it was coming from the right-hand side and finding Di Marco on the left, or it was the left-hand side and finding Darmian on the right. And then from there, it's just getting pumped into the box. Um, I think they Inter, Inter looked for those opportunities to be direct. Yeah. Um, the problem here with how Porto set up against them is that the final ball, just about every time from Inter, was shit. Um, I mean, there was only one connection in the first half. DeMarco played across. He was about 35 yards away from goal on the left-hand side, and it was it was too – Lataro got there, but, you know, he, he did one of those little duckhead headers – you know, that you usually see a 12 year old do, um, you know, so he doesn't time it. It's poor altogether and, and, and so on. Um, I think that Inzaghi made very smart substitutions. Okay. Now you got, you got Jekko who at this stage of his career is a stiff. And if you're playing two defensive midfielders that are blocking passing lanes and block, your Jekko is just flat out, not going to see the ball. Doesn't does and, and didn't. Um, unless it was getting crossed to him, which even then he didn't, even then he struggled. Um, so you bring Lukaku on, who's going to try to move a little bit more, who's going to try to unbalance things a little bit more, uh, show for the ball, do a lot of different things and kind of, you know, certainly be much more dynamic than, than Jekko was. So you start with there. Gozen's coming on for Federico DiMarco. I, I hated it for my DraftKings lineups because I had DiMarco in every lineup, <laughs> but, um, the first few minutes you saw Gozins and you understood why Gozins attacked the end line with and without the ball. DeMarco settled for early crosses that were predictable that Pepe uh, and that Marcano were ready for. Um, so that created a little bit of unbalance. And now Gozins didn't connect on anything. He didn't create a chance on anything, but it was just an extra thing that Porto had to be ready for. Um, so you started to see that slowly, but Porto was still effective on the counter. Onana makes this big double save. Inzaghi goes to Brozovic. Get there and sit in front of the sit there in front of protect the back three, help break this up. Um brought Mikatarian out and then got Chalinolu in a little bit more of an advanced position. So I thought that every time Inzaghi made a move, it was to counter what he was seeing on the pitch, and he got the immediate changes that he was looking for. Um, and then Lukaku gets the finish. As always, too many opportunities, and that's how you play against Inter. Give us the ball, and we are screwed. We already mm. score like one in ten. All they need is one counter, and we are done. Thankfully, Onana. Okay, well, you got the one, and you're one nil up. Yep. Going to going to Porto. Um, yeah. So I, I I thought that Inzaghi. So in a way, you can probably sum this up by saying Inzaghi ended up outmanaging Conceição. Uh, yeah. in this game. He made his his moves made sense. It changed the way Inter played and it made made them more difficult for Porto to defend. Yeah. No, I, I agree about that. Um and I think uh what we saw in this game, both teams had quality opportunities, right? Uh Chalanol in the first half. I mean Diogo Costa Diogo Costa had two or three big saves in this game at yes. least. Onana, same thing. Both goalkeepers, you know, performed. They performed for this big game, big encounter. Uh, I agree. I, I think Simeone or Simeone, Simeone Inzaghi. Uh, I don't want to think about Simeone. Um, he uh, certainly 
you know, was the the better of the two managers in this one. He got the thing, everything right, it seemed like. Um, and even at times, you know, when it started getting a little feisty there where, you know, referees started throwing yellow cards, you, you know, we weren't sure what was going to happen here. Um, he kept the plan and said stayed steady with it. And I think the brilliance of all this, right, when we, we look at the lineup starting to this game, I probably would look at a guy maybe like a Barella, maybe a, a, a Lautaro to be the, the really focal points of this team and really be the ones that have to play super well for this team to team to succeed. What we saw, I think, was, and this is at least my opinion, you could, I mean, Onana argue for man of the match, but I, I think Chalanolu deserves man of the match because one, set pieces, um, he had the great best scoring chance for Inter in the first half. Um, mm-hmm. He really was fantastic on the back end where he would help out the defense, uh, clean up some balls like, like an Ajista should, uh, and then he would help on the offensive side, switching players with the ball, you know, when it wasn't Darmian or or, or DiMarco. Um, he was certainly instrumental on all sides of the pitch, in my opinion. I thought Chalonola was fantastic, and the big reason why the chances were limited for Porto. Not that Porto didn't have the chances, they did. But I think Chalonola was a big reason why a lot of that was mitigated because uh, fantastic performance, especially the defensive work he did. Yeah, I think it's underrated, the tackling he did. I mean, you could talk about the playmaking and the chance creating that he did in this game, but I thought... Um, you know, he, he did an excellent job, you know, doing some of the extra stuff because he had to sit in the Brozovic role when Inter were without the ball, which, you know, it's it's really hard to duplicate what Brozovic does in that system. Um, I, I I thought Bastoni was lively, especially in the second half. I thought he was really good. Um, I think that's another guy that you can give a shout to. And then obviously Lukaku coming in and scoring the goal, um, you know, and, Basically, change, changing how the the two strikers functioned against Porto's defense, I think, was 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 something that you you definitely uh, you have to appreciate and respect. Let me and ask I, you this. Let me ask you this. Which hmm. were you? Which were which surprised you more? The fact that Jekyll wasn't as instrumental as maybe we thought or I thought, or the fact that Rom was so instrumental the couple of minutes that he was on. I thought he was better than Jekyll for the few minutes that he was there. I'm going to go with Jekyll because every time I see Inter in an environment like this, we've said this multiple times, Jekyll's the guy you probably see getting the goals. Um, and I don't know if there's a, if there's an injury to it. I mean, just finding room in the box. And Porto was ready for what he was going to do without the ball. He was tracked really well uh, between Pepe and Marcano. And he's typically a target uh, for DiMarco's crosses. And then Barella and Darmian's crosses on the right, because let's face it, those two guys will switch off attacking that right-hand corner when it's Darmian on the right. When it's Dumfries on the right, Barella pinches in and stays more central and just attacks the box because Dumfries wants to attack the end line all day long. So I, I'd say it was probably – I think Jekko's performance was more disappointing than, than Lukaku's performance was impressive because I, I think that <clears> – <throat> I think that with Lukaku, you're seeing a player who's starting to work his way back into some reasonable form. Yeah, we're still talking. We're talking about a we're talking about a damn near world class striker at one point in his career. Yeah, um, it was only two years ago. Yeah, so and injuries have slowed him down. You know, slowly trying to regain it. Will he ever get back to his tip top? Probably not. But can he be? Can he contribute like he did in this match? Where he's asked to give them 30, 30, 32 minutes. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's a, it's a, it's a great role for him here. So. I think, I think that's why I'm gonna vote Lukaku in this, in this question because I, you know, this game was gonna be a chess match, and I knew that, and I thought, 
I, I expected Jekyll to do more, and he did not. And it was, you know, it was canceled out by Pepe and Marcano, and I understand that. Uh, and I figured when Ulukaku came in, he's not at his best as he was a couple years ago. He wouldn't have the impact. However, when he did come in, and I said, maybe, well, maybe he'll get like a header or have that, you know, link up play with Lautaro. What we saw was that he was instrumental from the top. I mean, he would hold up play really well. He'd get good passing. Um, would go over to the side, kind of like we saw Benzema in the Liverpool uh, um, Real Madrid matchup. Uh, moving around, very mobile, and then getting in the box and getting his chances. And I mean, that goal was great. He right, he got a, a fantastic shot off the post, composed himself, got the rebound, and put it away. Uh, mm-hmm. Fantastic by him. So yeah, I, I, I was surprised. But I personally was surprised with Lukaku that he was going to have that kind of an impact in the game that was going to be so tight. But maybe you know that's what they needed, and, and he has the experience in these kind of games to know where to to sit himself. Doesn't matter the pace; it matters about your instincts and 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 the intelligence at that point. And he he obviously has experience and he's done it. He's played big matches yeah. for a long time, so he knows how to do these things. And so yeah, that was surprising to me, and I guess I shouldn't have been. Yep. Um, see a couple of comments in the chat about Otavio. What I would say here is, um, with him not playing in the second leg, uh, I'll get your question here in a second. Here, Eduardo, I want to talk about Otavio real quick. Okay, so the second leg, he's out because of the the red card. Um. I think that Porto will miss the combativeness that Otavio plays with. The creativity can be made up by – they've got a couple players they can turn to in that vein, one being Andre Franco, um, uh, 24-year-old Portuguese midfielder who shoulders some of the uh, playmaking load uh, when he's asked to play in the midfield there at Porto. So I don't think that they're going to miss there. He's probably not as combative as, as Otavio is. But some of the combativeness might be made up by Estacchio, uh coming on the Canadian International. So uh, there's options there. Are they going to completely replace Otavio here in the second leg? No. But I think that there's a mix here that 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 I wouldn't look at. Ot- Colomani's a much bigger miss for Eintracht Frankfurt going to Napoli for the second leg than Porto missing Otavio for the second leg against Inter, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I, I do agree that so I saw some of the comments said that Otavio is going to be a big piece missing. And yeah, I do agree about that. But I agree with you more that Kolomowani is a, a bigger piece missing for Eintracht because not only is he a striker and fantastic, he is their assistant man. He's one of the top, I think he's the top assistant man in the Bundesliga. Yeah. Uh, this, he is just an all-around player that majority of the offense and attack comes through him. Uh, Otavio can be replaced. They're not going to be at the same level, obviously. Not going to have the same feistiness as he does. But um it's going to be a piece that's missing a regular starter that certainly is going to hurt Porto um, and makes the second leg even more enticing and more close uh, because just because Inter have the lead doesn't mean it's going to be a shoo-in for them. They're going on road to a difficult place. Would you have played Brozo from the start? I see. I, I If I play Brozo from the start, it's going to be to take Mkhitaryan out and put Chalinola to the left of that three-man midfield. I'm not taking Benalla out. I think that... Barella's presence is why Darmian ended up playing so well um, and, and some of the crosses and some of the things that he did going forward because Zaidu Sanusi played narrower because what do they do with, with Darmian? Darmian doesn't really like to attack the end lines, but he does work his way forward where that back four starts to cheat out and they try to deal with him. And then there's those pockets for Barella where he can be dangerous and then he can play make. And then sometimes Barella is getting in front of Darmian and it's a question for that left back you know, in terms of what is he supposed to do? Um, <clears throat> I think Barella's poor performance, in, in your opinion, Eduardo, I think that's probably more of a credit to Sanusi's performance uh, yeah. for Porto. 
than it is a than it is a an indictment on Barella. I think Barella does the same things that he normally does um, over the course of ninety minutes. I just think that he was limited because of how the how the uh, defensive setup turned out for Porto. I was gonna say if I started Brozovic, would I want I would have wanted him to start uh, because what he that what he brings in these big games. I probably would have sat Chalonolo just because he's been playing more than Regista lately, and you kind of want to, you still want an attacking guy. And I think Mkhitaryan brings more of that than does uh, Chalonolo. But I, I like your point though, what you said about uh, maybe drop Mkhitaryan because maybe he'll be his impact sub, and Chalonolo can certainly be pushed up. Um, what you don't want to have is if Brozovic started, you have both he and Chalonolo sitting back because that you don't want that. You're inviting. Uh, maybe they do want that, right? Because they play counterattacks. Maybe they do want that. Uh, mm-hmm. But Barella, I think, has to stay. He did have a bad game, some bad mistakes, but I still think he was involved a lot. He just was off, right? The final product was just off. Um, he nearly scored a goal in this game a couple of times. He, you know, it just he was almost there. And I think, and I, he's the type of player you need to have. He's an agitator that you want uh, mm-hmm. on your team. And and can Brozovic do that? Sure, but he's not really. It's not really his game unless it's Milan or Juventus. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, that's not his game either. Yeah, Mkhitaryan. Mkhitaryan is a free flowing kind of guy, free spirit, right? So. Um, you need to have uh, Barella on the pitch no matter what, unless he's injured or overplayed like we saw last year. So, yeah, no, it, it's a tough call. I think Inzaghi ultimately made the right call, and, and it, it showed also in the derby where you bring on Brozovic and just close the door, right? And we didn't see too many opportunities from Porto. They got less opportunities after that. Obviously, the red card uh, for Otavio kind of hurt things, hurt them, and they kind of stopped attacking after that point. But, uh, yeah, it, it's a tough, good problem to have if you're in Zaghi, I think, yep. because Brozovic is just coming off injury. He's had a history recently of coming back too fast, re-injuring himself, and going back out. And so right. if you can ease him in, if you can get through Porto, you have him fresher for the later rounds and, and later in City off for your maybe your your charge for Napoli at the end of the season. So Zaghi did this great. I think it was a great call ultimately and you know he proves all wrong because probably all wanted to have Brozovic start. Oh sure, sure for sure. Um, let's ask her, let's ask, let's ask a deeper question. I think we, 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 we can easily answer here because we're going to talk about sizing up all three of these teams prospects for the last eight. And I think the easy question to answer is that Napoli clearly has the best chance to go through. They have a two nil lead. They're coming home. Uh, Frankfurt's best attacking player, arguably out for that second leg. Uh, so everything is working in Napoli's favor to progress. Um, you would take that complete catastrophe that we, that we talked about earlier for them to go out. Um, and I don't think you want, I don't think it happens against Eintracht Frankfurt. Like I said, I think that Napoli blitz it early and then they just see it through, um, you know, and then just, just coast the rest of the way. So that's, that's the way I see that going down. So now it comes down to Milan and Inter who are taking one nil leads to away legs, uh, Milan traveling to Tottenham and then Inter traveling to Porto. Um, size them up. Who do you give a better chance to qual? If, if, if one has to go out, who is it? Um, and then what do you realistically think is going to happen? So it's funny. I'm going to start, I'm going to kind of go off a, a tangent and work my way back. Um, we saw three city teams win their league, win their games. Mm-hmm. Right. And they won it in three different ways. Yeah. Napoli, Napoli did it in a dominant way. They were just dominant against a good team at their home. Yeah. Um, Milan used defense to, to win their game. They they struggled on the offensive side, but defensively they were stout. 
Hmm. Inter, I think, were pretty complete. Um, they had their moments of weaknesses, but they were bailed out by great goalkeeping. Uh, yeah. And they have plenty in offense and defense and attack. A good mixture of everything. Wasn't a dominant force, but they they were smart in the way they won their game. Now we we I agree with you. It's everyone I think agrees that Napoli should easily be the, the one that's going to be the most likely to progress. Yeah, it's interesting here because you know Tottenham playing at Tottenham and playing at Porto are difficult places. I give the advantage to Porto for the home dominance, the presence, the uh, the awe that you feel when you're there versus Tottenham. Um, and Otavio, if had he been there, I would have said that would have been the more difficult game. And I think mm-hmm. with that, with the red card that he got, it's it's kind of 50-50 for both, I think. And I think both are lined up well. They both have the advantage. Um, and you need to have in a game, and, and both these games are so close. And I, 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 sound like, I sound like we normally sound like when we talk about the draw, right? Um, yeah, what it is is that both teams have to continue playing their game. I think Milan has to be stout, they're going to be boosted by Mike Magnon there. They may take more chances now, and maybe their attack will look better, uh, to be determined. But I think what they're going to do is play similar to what we saw, and I think they're going to have to weather the storm early. And I, I say both teams have the same chance of qualifying, uh, they're equally as hard, both, both locations. Uh, both games, I should say, and I think you know both progress by the skin of their teeth. It's not going to be easy by any stretch, yeah. um, based on their their the recent form. But uh, I like I like all three Serie A teams to move on. I mean, I, I can't pick a winner between the two teams, Milan or Inter, having the easier way. What do you What do you think? I, I'm with you, and I think that, like you said, Milan benefit from having Mignon back. Not only that, but Tomori should be Tomori will be available for the second leg as will Ismail Benacer. So they're they're going to be deeper. Uh, in terms of what they can pick from. Um, they can cope with Harry Kane uh, with the combination of defenders that they're going to have available. They can either draw on the experience of Kiar leading a back three, or they can pl- or they can do what they did on Saturday and just go with the complete athleticism uh, and range of a uh, Tomori Kalulu um, uh, Chow uh, back three. Uh, so... They've got options. Um, they, you know, I think that if Emerson Royale starts on that right-hand side, I think that he's capable of exposing some spaces. We'd say the same thing about Teo Hernandez, too. So I think that there's a, there's a place that you can counter and you're leaving Christian Romero all by himself uh, to commit fouls. And, it is, and, it, and, it's, and, and also, I think the other thing with Tottenham is that Dyer suspended. Um, so that's part of your that's part of your yeah. defense that you're going to be without. Uh, yeah. Which you know now, do you move Longley into the middle, and then you're going to have a Romero Longley Davies combination, which doesn't scare you. So, no. in the Porto side, as I said, I think that the combativeness overall of Otavio is missed. I think some of the other elements of his game is 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 replaceable with what's available to Porto. Um, but I'm with you. I, I think that they both go through. I think that they both draw away. Yeah. Um, I, yep. I agree. I'll go. I'll go one-one for both games. In fact, um, I like it. I think that, and I think in both case, both cases they'll each score first. So here's uh, because a, they're oh, sorry. because they're both going to counter. Um, they're both going to be playing on the counter. Inter loves to play on the counter. Porto have to come and chase it. 
Inter can sit back. You could even see Brozovic playing from the start in that game, diffuse things, and you get spaces that Lotaro loves to attack, and and it works there. And then on the Milan side, you counter through Leao, you counter through – and you have you have Giroud as a reference point up top to get the ball to his feet and then play off of him. So, uh, so I go one one for both of those games, and I, I, I see both Inter Milan going Inter and Milan going through with Napoli three team three City teams in the last eight. Let me ask you this: Do you think Tottenham or Porto come out differently than they did in the first leg? I think that Porto of the two teams, Porto will. I think Porto at home are going to feel go for the aggressiveness. Obviously, you're down, uh, but you want to feed off the home energy early on, too. And I think they're going to go for the goal early on. Because if they get a goal early on, it could spark a second goal quickly. Uh, just by the nature of playing at Porto, that stadium is daunting. Um, so I think they're going to be more aggressive than we saw in that first leg. Uh, and, and and to your point, will allow Inter to sit back and play on the counterattack, which will suit them fine. Uh, Tottenham, I think, came out fairly you know, aggressively, I think, in a, you know, for the most offensive mind in the, in the first leg. And I think they'll continue to do that in the second leg. They don't want to expose themselves, obviously, uh, you know, have Milan come on the counterattack. So of the two, I think Porto will probably be the, their tactics will be slightly different, more aggressive. What do you think? I think their shape will definitely be different. I mean, at the weekend against Rio Ave, they played a 4-3-1-2. Um, you know, they didn't play this double pivot. Uh you know, of Gruch and, and Uribe Gruch just protected the back four and he was flanked by Pepe Aquino and, and Andre Franco. And then they had a stockio in front of him uh, with, with Medi Tereme and Tony Martinez up front. And then I think in their, in their two, one win at sporting, let me look at that one real quick. Um, at sporting, they went with the Gruch Uribe double pivot uh, with Vonderson and, and Andre Franco on the wings. So some of it has to do with who they play against and how they're situated. That was an away match for Porto on top of it. Um, Grich and Uribe look to be the preferred setup for Conceição, but I could see him putting in that 4-3-1-2 like he did against Rio Ave just to try to create something in hopes that he can maybe get the early lead and even get an advantage, and then someone like an Uribe comes in later in the game. So I, I can see it. Um, yeah. But – Antonio Conte plays one way, um, and I don't see him deviating from that. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, I agree. All three, all three Italian teams move on. I, I yep. believe. Yep. Exhaustive coverage of Champions League. Let's dive into these uh, Europa and Conference League second legs. Richard uh, Juve going to not. Uh, these are the Europa League games. One one uh, there, um, and remember, there's no away goals rule anymore, so it's. Neatly balanced, as they would say. Uh, Roma uh, losing at Salzburg 1-0, losing late in that game. Uh, Cluj and Lazio. Uh, Lazio taking a 1-0 lead to Romania. Will be without Patrick, who was sent off uh, last week. And then Fiorentina uh, 4-0 at Braga. I believe Braga had a player sent off in this game. They did, and he'll be suspended and... I'm not going to go diving into who that is because I don't think it's going to matter. Um, so Fiorentina's through. Yeah. I don't think we have to go into detail about that. I mean, there's no way they blow that. I, I, um, think, I think they shut all of us up. I mean, everyone, because nobody would have saw 4 nothing from Fiorentina. No. Maybe 4 nothing for Braga, 
but no one saw this coming. And, and kudos to Fiorentina. They came out and Vicenzo Italiano and his men, they uh, hit a nail on the put a coffin nail on the coffin for Braga and that, that, that tie is over. It's done. They can yeah. focus on Serie A for time being. Yep. <clears throat> and this is, you know, Fiorentina's path to Europe again next year with the way they're struggling in league. Um, you know, unless they go on some run here at the end of the season. And if they can win the conference league, they'll be in the Europa League. Um, so they're taking the, they're certainly taking this seriously. Um, Lazio, I expect that to be a difficult game in Romania against Cluj. I do expect Lazio to go there and win, though. I'm going to say something like 2-1. I think that Cluj will score first and make this really exciting. Um, but then Lazio will come away with some goals, whether it's the, mainly three Mobile. Um, I'll go with... Uh, I'll go with Roma to turn it around against Salzburg. I think Salzburg was pretty poor away in the Champions League in their group. Um, I think they'll give Roma some scares, but uh, Mourinho's men ought to be able to overcome that. I'll I'll go with 3-0 there, 3-1 to Roma. They're going to have to 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 overturn it and go through. Um, And then Juve and Nott is the one I can't figure out. I mean... I, I want to say that Juve are going to win and they'll win something like 2-0, which is what they should have won in the home leg if they if they had their head screwed on right. Yeah. Um, but they got countered. They got caught asleep at the wheel on the goal they conceded. They looked like they really didn't offer much going forward. They didn't play with the same kind of spirit that they did when the you know building up to the goal that they scored. Um, yeah. And they still need to play like they need this if they're going to get into the Champions League next year. So, yeah. I'll go with them winning 2-0 in France uh, just because I can't get around any other result when I look at these two teams on paper. Um, what do you what do you think about these other three games? Uh, uh, yeah, because I agree with you on 14. That's, that's, that's closed. Um, I'll go reverse order. So Juve, not, I agree. That game was um, surprising that Allegri would let his team be that um, spatial, I guess is the word. I don't know. They, they, they lost concentration and at the wrong time, time and you know get a suckered with a, a counter goal like that in the 60th minute um not a good look and now you have to a daunting task going to not and try to get an away result can it be done yes absolutely can uh not are no psg or or lille or 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 marseille by any stretch um they could just have to be taken seriously but i think it's gonna be close um mm-hmm. i want to say something like hmm Two one, maybe one nothing for Juve. It's a one goal victory, I think that Juve wins, um, but it's not going to be easy by any stretch. I think they're going to have a better performance than they did at home. At home, that was a very disappointing result. The way they played in that game, uh, uh, we saw a lot of Nantes fans at the game as well, uh, chanting Serie B to Juventus. Uh, <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully the players get motivated for that uh, and you know could get a plan to go there and set an example. Uh, and get a win. But I see a one-goal victory on the road for, for Juve. Um, they should have the result there. Salzburg, I agree, I agree with you. I think on the road, they've not looked as impressive as they, as they had at home. Um, we knew playing at Salzburg was going to be difficult. It's just a it's a hard place to play. Uh, yeah. But Roma, I like what they've been doing lately. Uh, I like that Mourinho, he's obviously very experienced in the situation. Uh, and they obviously won Europa League recently. So um, they should be ready to play. They're going to go at home and um, 
get the job done. I, I'm probably looking at two nothing. I would say in this game and get and get the victory there. So I see Roma moving through. Um, Lazio and Cluj. I think this is the one that gives me the heartburn. Um, and I hear you. Would you say two nothing for Lazio? Two one, uh, two one to Lazio. Two one for Lazio. Yeah. Um, I'm not, and I'm hoping this is a jinx because it worked for Fiorentina. They won four nothing. Uh, I'm not convinced yet of Lazio in Europe. Um, I've seen some glimpses here and there, but I respect this Cluj team probably too much. And I think that they're very good at home. They they produce shots. They produce chances. They are very decent uh, defensively. I'm going to go 2-1 Cluj. And, and then it's going to have to go to stoppage time or something, I guess. But uh, yeah. um, I see ultimately Cluj getting by Lazio, I think. just I, I don't have a good feeling for Lazio in this one. And I hope I'm dead wrong. I hope I'm dead wrong, but I, I, I'm respecting this Cluj team, I think, maybe too much. But, yeah, uh, I've seen what they've done in, in, in small glimpses, and I, and I like what I've seen from them. So, Yep, yep. So those are our thoughts. Just quick run through on all of those games since we've kind of beaten the hell out of Europe, at least with the cha- from the Champions League side of things. So um, let's move on to what happened over Match Week 23, Richard. Yeah, there were some games, I guess, in uh, City A that we got to talk about. Yeah, huh? we should uh, probably talk about City A, shouldn't we? <laughs> City A, <laughs> sit down, I guess, right? Uh, so we start off uh, first, the first game. Uh, let me get the right week first. That would help. Um, start off with Sassuolo hosting Napoli. We were hoping this game would be an entertaining back and forth game, and it, it kind of was, honestly. I think both both teams, including especially Sassuolo, had their fair share of chances in this game. Um, what we did see is early scoring and that's all really Napoli would need. Uh Havrashelia got a goal assisted by uh Oliveira. It was really a solo goal if you will for Havrashelia kind of just weasel, you know weaseling going right through the the heart of the the midfield for um Sassuolo and then getting a goal from distance one of the goal of the week candidate obviously. And then another goal of the week candidate Rahmani finding a great pass to uh to uh Osimhen 2 nothing within the first half hour of the game. Uh went to halftime of the score. <coughs> Before the goal, I will say this, though. Loriente nearly had goal of the week when in the 42nd, 43rd minute, where he made a great move on, I think it was Di Lorenzo, cuts in, gets a goal, uh, but it goes to VAR, and it was judged that he was off sides, I believe it mm-hmm. was. The call, correct call, by the way. Uh, so it's only 2 nothing going into halftime. Like I said, Sassuolo had their fair ch- chances in this game. Uh, they go into the second half. You saw both teams kind of really um, exchanging opportunities here and there. There was a goal that you know Napoli thought they got a third goal late in the game by Simeone. Um, also, that was went to VAR. That was also canceled out. So ultimately, it was a two nothing game. But for a game lately, when when Napoli plays, it's pretty much a one sided game. And I thought this game was very two sided. But uh, two nothing is the scoreline of that one. Um, moving on, Sampdoria Bologna. Uh, this game was uh, an entertaining game as well. Uh, so, sorry. Um, Musa Barrow scores his goal in the uh, 27, 26 minute like that. One nothing there. They come back and score a goal. Uh, they go to review, I believe it was, and they said yes, it was a good goal. Um, this question about offsides, I believe it was, uh, if I was correct, but uh, it was deemed it was onside. It's a good call there. So they get the early lead there. Um, go to halftime by that score. Come out of the half. Sabidi gets a penalty, legit penalty, scores the goal. Um, great. It's one one. We're game on. Minutes later, I mean, it's like what three minutes later. Another penalty, maybe a soft penalty, I, I would say, but it's a penalty nonetheless. Sabidi steps up again. Save. No goal. Uh, 
went for the same shot. Goalkeeper read it the second time. Didn't go in a 1-1. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Orsolini, goal of the weekend, and a great goal coming down the right-hand side. Uh, roofs it on the goalkeeper uh, and gets the goal. 2-1 Bologna win that game. Uh, certainly entertaining game there uh, at Sampdoria. Moving on <clears throat> moving on to the Berlusconi Derby. Monza hosting Milan. Uh, Tatarasano was forced to save two big saves in the first minute of the game. Um, really mm-hmm. could have been game changers for Milan. Milan have a tendency to sleep early in the games, and they did in this one. Uh, but Tatrasano came up with the big saves in that and 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 the game early on, I should say. Uh, and then for Milan, Junior Messias again comes up big in in moments where you think he's you know should be wasted away, and he, he pulls something like this, and he made a great defensive play, goes down the pitch and and gets a nice goal, uh, hammer of a shot, honestly, in the 31st minute, makes it one nothing. We saw chances both ways. This was a tight game. Monza are everything that they looked in the last nine, ten games. Um, very strong defensively, can put up uh, chances in the, on the attack as well. Uh, made it difficult for Milan. It was by no stretch easy. Milan had their chances as well. Milan get the victory in this one, one nothing. And uh, defensively again, another shutout for Milan. Um, Inter hosting Udinese. I thought this game could have been a bulky game for for Inter, uh, but it was not. <laughs> um, Penalty awarded early in the game. Um, Dumfries gets a penalty. Uh, it went to a review. It confirmed it. Um, Lokako steps up. Saved by Steve uh, Silvestri. But there was an encroachment in the play. Goes to yep. VAR. Do it again. Do it again. Lukaku does not miss twice. Uh, scored a goal to make a one nothing there in the 20th minute. Um, we would see that goal canceled out by a, a wonderful goal of the week candidate by San, uh, Sandy Lovrich uh, in the 43rd minute, one, one at halftime. Mm-hmm. This is what I was expecting. Uh, but then, you know, it was into kind of taking over, uh, make a tie with a great goal of the week candidate, great team goal there, make it two, one. And then Lautaro end the game here, uh, late with a third goal, three, one inter win, uh, nice win by them. Shock of the weekend. I would say Atalanta hosting Leche and the, uh, the upstarts, uh, get two early goals first in the fourth minute. Cisse. Goal we can from distance. <coughs> Excuse me. A wonderful goal from distance went one nothing to halftime. Um, they would get a second goal by Blinn, his first goal in City on the 74th minute, two nothing. Uh, Hoyland would get a goal in the 87th minute, and then I think in stoppage time, Falcone game saving, uh, save on Muriel from point, uh, good distance away. It was within inside the box, but it was a great shot. It was going in goal, and Falcone bailed him out 2 1 Leche with a shock victory there. Uh, moving on, Fiorentina and Empoli, they draw 1-1 in their game. Goal by Cabral late to, to cancel out an early goal by Cambiaghi. A nice play between him and Caputo for that goal, 1-1 there. Um, moving on, Le- Salaritana and Lecce. The, um, I'm not going to even say it. It's a small derby for the owner there, but 2-0. Uh, Lazio, excuse me, Lazio. Yeah. Two goals, uh, Immobile, penalty, one from the penalty spot, and then a, and then a second goal. Um, from nice play from Marusic, wonderful play, two nothing against Sarnitana. Uh, it was a close game though. Spezia, Juventus, Juve winning two nothing goals from Moise Kin, uh, as well as Angel Di Maria. Uh, wonderful goal by Di Maria for a second mm. goal there. Uh, and then rounding it out, the last two games, uh, Hellas and Roma. Roma, nice win at home. Uh, it looks strong in their game. Um, goal by uh, Ola Sabakin, uh, first goal for him for welcome to welcome to Roma, welcome to Serie A. Nice goal by him. Goal of the week candidate there. Uh, that's all they would need. They would win one nothing, get back in the top four, uh, top three, honestly. Uh, and then Torino Cremonese. That game was uh, surprisingly good. 2-2. Uh, we saw some good goals in this one. Valeri, I think, was uh, a banger of a goal. 
mm-hmm. really took the cake of the four goals in this game, but two two. So where do you want to get with this game? These games. Um, we had nine saves for Falcone for uh, for Lecce against Atalanta. So it wasn't like Atalanta wasn't, you know, trying to win a game or they were good. Struggling. Not good Atalanta. Atalanta actually played really well, and on a different day, on a different day, they score a bunch here. I mean, Toloy had a nice chance. Uh, he had you know, Sapi had one from point blank that Falcone. Is that the one you're referring to? That was the yeah, was the, yeah, yeah. In the 70th minute, there was that one, and I think there was one there from Muriel toward the end at the top of the box. Um, yeah, that's the one I was talking about. Yep, Muriel, that, Muriel one. Yeah, that. Okay, yeah. So both of those. I mean, he had some pretty, pretty point blank saves here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, credit to credit to Falcone who was outstanding. Um, and maybe that speaks to Atalanta for the talent that they have, for no European distractions that they have. Are they really complete enough to crack the top four? Because they drop points in games like this that just make you scratch your head. That. They just don't have the. They don't find the way to 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 see it off. Is that edge that Atalanta have had for the last few years under Gasparini? Has that just diminished? Um, you know, so I I think it's worth it. I think it's worth asking those questions. Yeah. Torino blew a great chance to pull ahead of Juve for seventh. Um, I watched a good bit of this game, in fact, um, and have to say that I came away. Pretty, pretty impressed with, uh, pretty impressed with Cremonese uh, uh, under Balladini. Um, yeah. uh, Sajid's goal was a, I think it just kind of bounced kindly to him. It was a nice finish, um, but Benassi was giving them some trouble, uh, you know, through the midfield. Uh, Valeri and San Nicola are very good wingbacks. Um, that if you know Cremonese do go down, these are two guys that need to find work somewhere else next season. Um, but then I, th- I thought that uh, good performance on the Torino side. Miranchuk was good um, pulling the strings. I think he's been, you know, turned into the playmaker that Torino hoped they would have with him. Ilich made his first start, um, uh, you know, at, at Torino after coming over from Hellas Verona. I think he's made a couple sub appearances there. Uh, drew, a penal- drew the penalty that Sanabria would score. So... Uh, so that was noteworthy to say, you know, Torino were certainly motivated. I think Juric was motivated to win this game because it would have put them ahead of Juventus, ahead of the uh, Derby della Mole, which is actually on Tuesday. Um, so that's um, that's one to look at. Um, Udinese had a chance to make a statement here against one of the better teams in the league to you know to show their wares, and you know didn't get it done. They're on thirty points now. Um, but, uh, you're starting to see Salernitana fa- falling apart here a little bit. They've lost four of their last five. I think maybe, maybe, maybe even five of their last six. Um, that doesn't bode well. Uh, and that's certainly going to give some encouragement, uh, to the, uh, to it, to the likes of a Hellas Verona. Spezia's not only not not only they're not not only are they not winning they're not scoring they they scored two against Empoli uh, but they can't seem to score anywhere else uh, so you're looking at that and you're looking at Verona and you okay they lost one nil to Roma and we're singing in Gonji's praises um, 
the previous week, and I still think he's going to be a really good player in this league. Uh, Jose Mourinho knew how to defend him. So he didn't have the impact that he had in, in previous games. Um, and then after that, I mean, how about Lecce? I mean, I think they deserve some praise here. Yeah. I mean, back-to-back weeks, drawing and drawing Roma and beating Atalanta um, as they try to further cement themselves here for a place in Serie A next season. Uh, very exciting times for them. Um, you know, beat the teams that you can – you know, how do you survive? You beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Or, you know, beat the teams that are around you. They're going to be struggling. And then you got to find ways, any ways, to get points mm-hmm. on the top half teams. So, yeah. um, they they win this one away. They've mainly been a trouble. They've mainly been a problem at home, Anthony. Um, but there you have it. And then Milan, finally, because uh, we haven't said anything. We've hardly said anything about Milan. Here we are an hour and six minutes into the podcast. Um, just another impressive defensive display. Uh, you know, the, the shift in the tactics and is the attack struggling? Yes. This is something that's, again, it's a progression. You're changing your system. You're changing your tactics. You're changing your approach. You start by keeping people out, which they're doing. You work your way forward and make the improvements going forward. And I think that Milan will find that scoring touch again, um, under this system. And it'll be CD, interesting with CDK is still unlucky too. He is, he is. You know, I he's going to be a fantastic player in this league. Okay, I mean, just like we said last week, most young players just need the time to adapt and need need just that one thing that gets them going. And sometimes it takes an entire full season to find it. So I'm not not worried about CDK in the least. So, um, but yeah, I, that, that'd be my long winded roundup of what I saw over the weekend. Yeah, what did you what you what you see? Obviously, Atalanta Lecce was the game, the main game, and that really got my attention because you're right. I mean, Atalanta, we keep saying, "Hey, are they a contender for the top four? And then they have games like these where it says, "No, they're not quite ready yet." They have some pieces, and they look good at times, right? Hoyland and, and Lookman look fantastic, but mm-hmm. they kept blipses and lack of concentration, lack of concentration, and this is what happens. And you know, great for Lecce. Lecce deserved this win for sure. <clears throat> they yep. play. They, you said you said it. They play really well at home usually, and on the road is where they can be had. They they look like they very much want to stay in the league in this one. They played very very well. They took their chances. They didn't have many chances. They had what four shots in the game, and they, and they got two goals. Um, mm-hmm. And so they're opportunistic, and that's what you need to be. Uh, as you mentioned, beat the teams around you and and scalp the heads that no one else can get that, that around you. And so not many people are going to say they can. None, none of the teams in the bottom four or five teams are going to say they they beat Atalanta at Atalanta outside of Lecce really. So. Um, right. Impressive performance by Lecce defensively, you know, finding a way to get it done. And then, you know, you, you talk about Milan. I'm going to flip over to Monza's side. That Monza still continues to be impressive. They did lose in this game, but Berlusconi and Galliani know what they're doing. And, you know, the little engine that could is, I think they have the right recipe to stay in this league and potentially in the future, if, you know, depending on how finances are, could be a player. But what we've seen is that. The manager has his team playing well, both defensively and offensively, and giving everyone chaos at the moment. This 10, 10 to fifteen game stretch, they're 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 playing really well. So, if this continues, I mean, you know, next year we could be talking more seriously about Monza. But uh, don't th- them and Lecce, I think, are mid table teams, kind of what Anthony was saying that 
uh, are going to give everyone a headache, everyone from top to bottom. And we're seeing that here with Mo Milan. And yeah, it's a big game with uh, with Berlusconi thing, but I, they, Monza have been doing this for the last month, two months. So uh, it's nothing too surprising what we what we saw from them. Yeah, I mean, what were they on an eight match unbeaten run before that loss on Saturday? So you can just add that to the list of you know teams in pretty decent form that Milan have been able to beat or been able to keep from scoring in the run of play over the last four games. So. Yeah. Um, uh, goals and plays of the week. I mean, I'm just going to say the Kvaratskhelia goal for me was the goal of the week. Okay. Um, just taking it from midfield, running at the cesspool of defense, having the composure, uh, nutmegging the defender and finishing it. I just, you know, that, that, that set the standard. And while there were some pretty good goals, Valeri's goal, um, I'm trying to remember the other one. Um, the name just escapes me. Uh, but <clears throat> I, I think that, uh, Kvaradona set a standard on Friday, so okay. And I don't think I don't think anybody else quite got there, at least in my opinion. Uh, my top five, I have uh, Valeri's banger. I thought that was a really great goal by him. Uh, unexpected for sure. I think Falcone's game-winning save on Muriel late in the game to to seal the victory for Lecce on the road was number four. Number three, I'm gonna go with Inter's team goal, Mikatarian finishing it off. I thought it was just a lovely play between Chalanolu, Di Marco, mm -hmm. and Mikatarian. Really great team goal there. I thought. Um, I'm gonna give shout out to uh to Bologna and Orsolini. His winner, his winner. Yes, it was a bad angle, but he, I mean, he powerful shot, um, and got it to the top. And and though sticking on powerful shots, though Orsolini didn't make my top five, <clears throat> he has a very underrated, super hard shot. It you know doesn't matter the angle, and it looks like it's going slow, but it's so fast and so hard. Goalies have trouble with it, uh, in mm. Champions League and in Serie A. So that's a shout out to Osimhen. But uh, number one for me. It's not a goal. It's not Kavara. I'm going to go Skorupski. I'm going to go Skorupski with a double save. He had a penalty save All and right. then the rebound point blank. Uh, great play yep. by him. And as part of the reason why Bologna won their game. So shout out to Skorupski for that. For that. For sure. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. Those are, the, those are our thoughts on the best actions of match week 23. And let's finish it off, Richard. It's time for the world's most popular hashtag game. It's time for who won Calcio Twitter. Take it away. All right. Just getting my stuff in order here. And then here we go. Starting off with the first contender here uh, comes from Big Vesuvius. Who else? Uh, at underscore Nerazzurri. And it's the interboard. Uh, let me start this from the beginning. Uh, it's the interboard trying to figure out how to make signings this summer. How much do we have left? 40 bucks. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> how much do we have left? 40 bucks. That's it. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving on, uh, Perisnitch returns. Lotaro, if his job wasn't being the owner of AC Milan. Working the gas station, yep, yep. Uh, true story. Milan is saving his job, no. Uh, moving on, uh, next one comes from the Odds Bible, and it's uh, Pep sending Brahim Diaz to Real Madrid to then join AC Milan on loan to get revenge on Tottenham. It's 4D chess by Pep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Perisnitch has done it again. He did the Valentine's cards last year. He has added again this year. So let's uh, not waste any time and go through the thread. The first one is Lotaro. I can make you happier than my World Cup performance. Uh, let's see. Moving down is now Nicola Barella. I only wave my hands to complain that you don't get enough love from me. <laughs> uh, Onana, you make me forget what my name is. What is that? Uh, 
uh, Romelu Lukaku, I could never imagine leaving you. Uh, uh, now down to Joaquin Correa. Uh, there aren't any ingredients I could use to make something as sweet as you. <laughs> <laughs> and then is this Skriniar? Yeah, my love for you is renewed every day. <laughs> nice. Uh, Chalanolu, two donor kebabs, a large fries on the side, two sprites, and a lovely day with you, please. Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> don't freeze. <laughs> I can't cross, so I can never be cross with you. <laughs> Oh. Then who do we have here? Is that, oh, that Aslani? Yes, Aslani. Aslani, yeah. I could sit on the bench all day with you. Oh. And then finally, <laughs> uh, Simone Inzaghi. I would never substitute you. Yeah, so yeah. those and, are the intervalentines courtesy of Perisnich. And he did not stop there. He did some City Owl ones as well. So he had uh, Buffon. I'll never quit on you. <laughs> All right. Uh, Tamori, I'll love you the same day as I'll love you Tamori. I love you like Allegri likes loves a 1-0 win. (laughs) And then lastly, loving you is as easy as spelling my name. From Savannah. Nicely done. Very nice. All right. Uh, I guess I'll take this next one. Uh, So... The original tweet came from Art Vandelay, uh, Tony Malas, and he says, uh, Juve's home record in knockouts in the last five years has been an embarrassment. Used to be a fortress. And so, of course, Art Morelli chimes in and says, this is the fortress 2023 in shambles. Kind of ruined. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see here. He sent Bob sent another nomination here. Uh, <laughs> this is. This is from at Juventus oh, uh, Edits underscore Chiesa twenty twenty one versus Chiesa twenty twenty three minus fifteen <laughs> minus fifteen. Yep. Oh, that's great. That hurts. All right, moving on. Uh, the big show with another one. It's send Lukaku back to England yesterday and sign this guy. Manuela Tubarão pode ter igual mas melhor nunca. He can score. Oh. We're on the theme of uh, Sunday League. Okay, at FCIM Thomas, Dusan Vlavic, skills, goals, highlights. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Uh, moving on. So this one is uh, – I was unable to view this, so I don't know what it is. So maybe you'll see it and you can let me know what it is. Um, uh, I, I cannot see it. So right. we can't. Oh, Must, well. it, it was probably brilliant. It probably was. Uh, so I'll go with Kilpin with the next one. Uh, first view. Wow, that's incredible. Second view. The bottom part looks like when you win on solitaire and the cards start cascading. Third view. Hang on. Is that a dart shirt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a mix up. This is when you see Napoli doing all these crazy things. You're like, hey, hold my beer. Yep. Oh. Was that it? I think uh, that was it. That was it. All right. Parasnitch wins. I, how do you how do you deny the uh, the annual Valentine's Day? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. There are some funny ones, but I mean, Parasnitch was his classic. You have to you have to really come out banging if you're going to beat Parasnitch with his Valentine's one. So, uh, yeah. uh, and and shout out to Parasnitch because I I totally missed this one. And then when we commented on the last one, he's like, "Well, what about my Valentine's Day?" I was like, "Oh." Then I saw it, and I was like, "All right, you're, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's the one." So, <laughs> well done. Well done. 
All right. Oh, oh, well, right. I think we knocked it out of the park. I think we want to. We come back here again uh, next Wednesday night. Yeah, there's more Champions League again going on, I guess, right? Or uh, no, on? not next week, but we can do Wednesday. Right, that's fine with me. Yep, it's my son's birthday on Tuesday. Good so, reason to go Wednesday. Yep. So we will eventually get back to doing Tuesdays. Everybody, <laughs> we're just you know, no life rush. interrupts. Life interrupts this, so that's right. That's right. Uh, we don't have a boss that's telling us we have to do every Tuesday night. We set our own schedule, and you know you're just going to have to uh, uh, wait. That's why there is the notification bell here on the YouTube channel, so that you are up to date uh, and are notified when we do go live on the air. So, um, okay, so we will put a bow on this edition of City uh, Sit Down. Um, Richard, anything else to plug? Um. No, not really anything to plug, but like Anthony Skanga says, you know, like the video people, it does help us. Yeah, it helps please. Our content creators and subscribe. Uh, that also goes a long way as well. So, but uh, yeah, yes. no, nothing really to plug other, other than obviously seriositdown.com. And then uh, you can follow me if you like at R underscore K H A R M A N. You can find me at FTC underscore 21. Um, Syria, sit down. We have our own channel on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Wherever there is podcasts, there is Syria, sit down. At Syria, sit down on Twitter. Follow us there. Follow us on Instagram at Syria, sit down uh, as well. Uh, Follow us on Facebook as well, too. Um, If you get tired of pictures of your friend's kids, then you can check out our Facebook page where there isn't pictures of our kids. <laughs> so, um, and then you can take a break from that. But anyway, uh, so we will be back with you guys next Wednesday night around this time. Uh, we've got Milan Atalanta on Sunday. That'll be a nice talking point. We have the Turin Derby on Tuesday night. Uh, so some interesting games as we have a week break from uh, the uh, um what do we call it from the European stuff? We might get the draw, I think. After no, we won't get the draw. We're only oh, no. we'll we'll, have, we'll know the the Europa the the, the Europa and the Conference League rounds. Yeah, uh, we'll know that, but we won't know the Champions League, the second leg, extra leg. So, mercy, chat. Thank you so much. Guys all came through big time for us. We appreciate that. Uh, if you're watching this for the first time, please, as we said, subscribe, uh, drop a like, and hit that notification bell so that you know when we are on the air or when we do a video drop. So uh, that is going to do it. We will see you all next Wednesday night. For Richard, I am Frank. As always, tell your paisans about us. Ciao.